Well, Happy New Year. I am excited to be with you. Last week we were, we were gone and uh, we were enjoying kind of an anniversary weekend and uh, we uh, were also enjoying our pastor appreciation gift that you guys gave us. So thank you so much for that. I know this time of year everybody's kind of like making your goals, kind of setting and thinking about what you should do. Well, um, I've always joked with my wife, and I have to be careful because she's in here with us today, but I've always joked with my wife about her life goal. I said, her life goal, your life mission statement, Elisa, is to live in a perfect 72 degree climate and be fully rested. Those are her two goals in life. She doesn't like to be cold and she doesn't like to go without sleep. Um, me, I could, I could care less with either of them. but. Um, it kind of applies to what happened in our little anniversary trip. We were going to get away, and I had this brilliant idea. We were driving back from my grandparents' house at Thanksgiving, and we drove through Rapid City, South Dakota, and I was like, remember when we came to Rapid that summer, and we were hanging out? There's so much stuff to do. There was like all this activity. I love that place. We should do Rapid City for our anniversary trip coming up in a, you know, just a couple of weeks. And Lisa's like, yeah, let's do it. We wanted to kind of get away to the mountains. However, we weren't interested in skiing. I'm kind of old. I got bad knees. No interest in that. So I was like, all right, let's do the mountain town. That's like kind of the different mountain town. So we we're like, we booked it and we we're all getting ready to go. And um, about four days before our trip, we were looking at the weather and the high in Rapid City on New Year's Eve was negative 10. The high was negative 10. And so because my, life, my wife's life mission statement is to be fully rested in a perfect 72 degree climate, we had to change our plans and so we went somewhere else. Uh, so we were able to cancel everything and it wasn't a big deal and we found a nice hotel just kind of in the foothills and we had a great time. Well, my wife's focus on our trips is kind of the temperature. Well, we shouldn't have got married in De on December 30th if she was interested in that every anniversary uh, trip. Uh, however, my goals on a trip like this, it's all about the food all about the food. I'm thinking, okay, all right, we'll do steak dinner one night. We'll do Mexican fiesta one night. Maybe we'll go Italian. Maybe we'll mix it up with another steak. I don't know. And my whole focus is all about the food. And it's more than just the food. You understand getting away and going out and having the meal peacefully without like, you know, kind of craziness and trying to like put it all together without having to do the dishes, without having like the madness and sitting down and having that moment, that for me is my goal on the vacation. That for me is a wonderful thing. And I think we all know and we recognize that those meals, those times we sit down and have a meal with someone is more than just the meal. Would you agree with that? It's more than just the meal. It's more than just, this is taking care of my need for this moment in time. It's more than that. There's something really important about sitting down and having a meal. And so 
over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about this. You may think it's kind of odd, but I'll set the stage here in a moment that this was a big deal to Jesus. It was a big deal. It was very important. So over the next several weeks, we're going to have our series entitled Family Dinner, and we're going to talk about this, and, and because the goal is to have a meal, okay? I think everybody can get on board with this New Year's resolution. Let's eat some good food in this new year. Anybody? Can everybody get on board with that? Come on, I need a little bit of more enthusiasm. Can everybody get on board with that New Year's resolution? Let's eat some good food. Let's have some good meals together. Okay, to set that stage, to set that up, over the course of the next month, we're going to be having different family dinners in different family homes in our church. And you can sign up for one of those today, and I'll give you more details about that. But that meal is a big deal. The meal is about the relationship. The meal is about that connection. The meal is about that time. I remember several years back, uh, my wife and I are not too interesting when it comes to Christmas gifts. Sometimes we're like, we doing nothing this year? Are we doing going out to dinner this year? What are we doing? And one year we we're like, I got an idea. We'll, we'll buy a dining room table for the family pretty exciting stuff, right? Like buying that kind of thing. And we bought it and somebody asked us from our church, what'd you, what'd you guys do for Christmas? What'd you get each other? And I was like, we, we bought a dining room table. We kind of bought it together. And they're like, you know what? That's the greatest gift you could ever give your family because around that table, you're going to have wonderful conversations and wonderful time. You're going to have great meals. You're going to invite people into your home. I was like, that's right. We gave each other quite a gift. Look at that. Look how smart we are. We're just so, we're just so relational. That's so important to us. That's, yeah. Um, but that table really does matter. The meals really do matter. And it's interesting in the scripture. And I, I never really recognize this, but I want you to look at a few portions of Scripture with me. Because Jesus came to earth, and of course we just finished the Christmas season and how important that was. But why did he come? The Scripture gives us some verses that tell us exactly that. Let's read, kind of. There's three Scriptures in the Bible where it says, The Son of Man came. Jesus Christ came and it fills in the blank and it says why Jesus came to earth, why Christmas happened, why Jesus, the God of the universe, would come and walk among us. And I, I want to, just because I think this will surprise some of us, I want to give you a shot. Go ahead and if you're, if you're a Bible nerd cheater, don't like, don't steal my thunder too much right now. But like, you could just shout it out right now. Can you remember any time where the Bible says, the son of man came fill in the blank? Anybody? Come on, I know there's at least somebody that has an answer to it. Okay, nobody. Well, that's good. You didn't, you didn't steal my, you got one? Excellent. That is one that you may remember. That's the first one. Uh, it says that right here in the book of Mark. The Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that is correct. God came. Jesus came to serve 
and he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Anybody know another one? It's okay. It's okay. Number two is this. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is a, a great Bible verse that we understand Jesus' purpose on earth was to serve, to give up his life on the cross as a ransom to many. He also came to seek and save the lost, to, to go and proclaim to people that there is salvation. But the third one you would have never have guessed, and it's this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Those are the three portions of Scripture where it says, this is what the Son of Man came and did. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Very interesting. It's talking about kind of the attitude Jesus had while he was here. Is that the Son of Man came to serve. The mission that he had to seek and save that, was, that which was lost. And then it says kind of how he did it. He did it eating and drinking. Very interesting. He is just always hanging out and always having meals. The first miracle of Jesus was at a dinner party where he turned water into wine. It was his first proclamation of here I am on earth. And he goes over and over and over, if you read through the Gospels, eating and hanging out and having dinner with people. Even every Sunday, we gather around and celebrate the Lord's Supper where Jesus was gathered with his disciples at a meal and talking to them and explaining to them what his purpose was. And so um, over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of these family dinners. And I, we may think, okay, that's just a trivial little side note in Scripture. It's not. It's really core to who Jesus is, and I really want it to be something that is core to who we are as a church as we move into the new year. Okay, so whenever you have a dinner, I'm sure many of you have had uh, family gatherings, big dinner banquets, kind of uh, things over the last month as it's been the holiday season. You have the very first task when you when you have a gathering, when you have a meal, is you have to decide on the guest list. So that's what we're going to focus in on today. You have, to, you have to think about who is going to be there. And I don't know, maybe some of you had some of these conversations over the course of the last month where you're like, all right, we'll gather together, we'll have a little Thanksgiving meal, or we'll have Christmas dinner. Uh, who's going to come? All right. Uh, well, if we invite Uncle Him, then uh, they won't be happy. If we, have, if we have this person come, they're not going to be happy. What are we going to do? Well, we can put them in other sides of the table. We can, like, make sure everything's okay. And, like, you might have had some of these conversations or thoughts over the holiday season where it's like, this guest list, I have to be careful about who I invite and who shows up. We'll look at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi 
son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's home, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Dinner was a big deal in this culture. And it's still a big deal to us, but there were some more like social things that were going on. Um, in this book, I've been reading A Meal with Jesus. Imagine that. Um, there's a New Test Testament scholar that is quoted that says this. It would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the Mediterranean basin in the first century. Mealtimes were far more than occasions for individuals to consume nourishment. Being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person has become a ceremonially rich symbol of friendship, intimacy, and unity. Thus, betrayal or unfaithfulness towards anyone with whom had shared the table was viewed as particularly reprehensible. Now, I want you particularly to catch this, this sentence. On the other hand, when, a per, when persons were estranged, a meal invitation opened the way for reconciliation. That what in this culture and in this time, inviting somebody over for a meal was the perfect picture of saying, let's work out our differences. It's kind of that olive branch. It's that extension of saying, you know what, we can... We can fellowship, we can gather, we can sit down at the same table, and we can have that moment. We can have that relationship. And it was particularly important. And so the criticism here in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus by those people who were those religious leaders was, first of all, that he was eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. Another criticism that the Pharisees had of Jesus is he just, he partied too much. He had too many meals. He was hanging out too much. Those are two of the criticisms they had of him, is he was doing this too much. Really, the picture of it was that they thought he was hanging out and extending too much grace, too much care, too much concern to people that he should probably not be dining with. The people that he shouldn't be hanging out with, he shouldn't be eating with. And instead, Jesus over and over and over through the New Testament is going and hanging out and having dinner with all kinds of people. Like this. He comes to serve he comes to seek and save, and he comes to eat. And he comes to have these meals with each other. Pretty interesting. 
that this is the criticism of Jesus. Some people have said that Jesus maybe was crucified because of who he ate with. Pretty interesting, right? Because of who he ate with. Because of the dinners he had with certain people. That's the, one of the major reasons he was put to death. So this is a big deal to Jesus. This is a key part of his life. That it wasn't just those big, long sermons that he gave. It wasn't just those miraculous things that he did. But he went over and sat down and looked in the eye of some other people and had dinner. He was extending that olive branch. He was seeking them out and hanging out and having those meals with this crew, with this crowd that was definitely scandalous, definitely unusual, definitely not the norm. And it's pretty interesting. Jesus actually teaches some of the Pharisees, and he kind of brings up this point. So I want to flip to Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus is at another dinner. He's at a dinner with some of the religious leaders. Actually, he's at a dinner hosted with one of the most prominent Pharisees, a well-known Pharisee. So the other side of the coin, he is with the people he should be dining with in this instance. And he's kind of going around, and he's not being particularly... Um, uh, Maybe he's being a little bit of a difficult uh, dinner guest. Because when he's kind of making commentary about the whole setup of the dinner as he's there. And if you read the first part of Luke chapter 14, you can see kind of how it leads into that. Is he's just kind of looking around saying, Where, what's your guest list? How do you choose who you're going to invite? How come it's just all the, like people who like can give back to you or people that like you can curry favor with how come it's just all the people that are just like you how come you don't invite others and he tells this story as an illustration of what he's talking about um so when all of the those at the table with him heard this they said to jesus blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So somebody was trying to keep the peace and was like, hey, uh, thanks Jesus for telling us about who we should invite to dinner parties. You know, it's wonderful. Whoever's going to eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. But Jesus wasn't done and he goes into this story. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to the, tell those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, 
the lame. Sir, the servant says, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So Jesus tells this story and kind of ruins the dinner party he's at by telling a story saying, this is how you should have your meals. This is what you should be doing when you plan a party. You should go out and you should invite different people. That's what he says in verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. And he tells them this story. My question to us, and I want to think about in the new year, is how do we throw dinner parties? Who do we eat with? Who's invited? And how is that a part of our life? In our culture, in our world, there's so many different scenarios that like maybe this could apply to. But you have to understand what Jesus is talking about is the type of people we hang out with. What do we do? We live in a world that is very disconnected. It's interesting that um, Facebook has a mission statement. Okay? Facebook's mission statement is this, to make the world more open and connected. That's their mission statement. But recently they came out with an article and they had a like, kind of press release talking about how their mission statement doesn't really work that well. They noticed how like, the idea behind Facebook was to connect people more. To make the world more open and connected so more people would be talking to one another, more people would be connected, more people would be doing these things. And I've been watching, interestingly, and hearing some things about Facebook, particularly about social media, how some of the people that are involved in these things have talked about how Facebook and social media is the new church. It's the new religious experience. It's the new way where people gather and people like connect with one another and they're able to have this kind of fellowship. They're able to have this connection with other people and this is who we are now. And there's been all these things that have predicted that, you know, well, some people have said, well, the church is going to kind of be irrelevant in the future and people aren't going to need to gather anymore and do all these things. We're just going to be able to do it on Facebook and that's, that's, that will do it. And then Facebook recently came out and they said, we have to kind of admit that a lot of what we've done is not make the world more open and connected. What we've done is we've kind of, we've noticed that we're creating a lot more discontent and anger and fighting. And they admitted that in a recent like kind of press conference talking about, we're not sure what our mission is anymore. That maybe we're just like a news outlet now. And Facebook is going to fail at this idea. Facebook is going to fail and it won't work to try to have this 
like experiment, this new thing in our society and culture that is making a dramatic impact, all of a sudden, like make everybody more connected and more open. But Jesus did exactly that. And that's what Jesus did. You understand, we clearly know Jesus came to serve. We know that. And that should be a part of who we are. We understand that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus also came to have dinner with people. To connect. To have that relationship. To hang out. And he was criticized for that. One of the things that is core to what the church is all about is it is that relationship. It's that connection. It's that sitting down with one another and having that interaction with one another. Encouraging one another on. But one of the first things Jesus did is he says, I'll tell you who is invited. I'll tell you who I will eat with. I'll tell you who I'm going to hang out with. And it was a different crowd than what was expected. I want you to think about in your life, who is it that you would invite to dinner? Who is it that you'd spend your time with? Who is it that you would let into your life? And who is it that you, like, have that fellowship, reconciliation with, connection with in your life? Jesus says, this is who I hang out with, and this is who I eat with. Over the next several weeks, we're going to have dinner together. And I'll tell you what, there's lots of different things that we can do as a church community. But maybe the most important thing we can do is we can go over to one another's home and we can sit down and we can have dinner. And we can start to paint a picture to a world that is very divided, a world that is very segmented, a world that is just kind of like everybody's kind of goes into their own homes and posts their own Facebook uh, rants and kind of like ignores everybody else around them. And we can begin to create a place, a culture, where people sit down and have meals with one another. Where people sit down and say... How can I be involved in your life and how can I I support you in your life? I believe strongly that the thing that holds families together, the thing that, that like, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The things that hold a culture together is those family relationships. I've heard statistics about families that are successful are the ones who sit down and have dinner on a regular basis. I don't think that's a mistake. It's because they have that engagement, that relationship, that communication, all of those things. Well, God calls us to be the community of faith, the family of God, the same type of people that are doing those kinds of things.
The intent of Jesus was not just to come and preach sermons. He preached sermons. The intent of Jesus was to sit down and have relationship with other people. So this coming year, my New Year's resolution for you is to say, let's have some great meals. Let's have some good meals. And I want you to think about who would you be open to inviting over to your house for a meal? Who would you be open to engaging more in their life? Your next door neighbor, your coworker, those people that you pass by that you kind of have a small relationship with, but not an intimate one. Jesus came and changed the world by sitting down one dinner at a time, engaging and having that relationship with them. As a community, our neighborhood needs good families, good mealtime discussions needs those meals. And the church is here to kind of be that extended family, that extended picture of God's kingdom, the great banquet, the place where everyone is welcome at that table. And we're to be those people. Will you pray with me? God, it's my prayer for us that over this next month that we think about how as a church community, we can follow your example and your model. It's interesting through scripture how you just went from one meal to the next. God, I pray as a church that we would open ourselves. That we'd be open to the world around us. We'd be open to the people who we pass by and maybe have a small relationship with and say, you're invited to my table. Jesus, thank you for this great example. just want you to take a moment and think about maybe someone in your life that you know you could invite over for a meal. The scripture is pretty clear. What we're supposed to do is love God and love our neighbors. How does Jesus do that? Well, in many ways, but a lot of times it was Sharing a meal with someone. Everyone needs a great family. Everyone needs a great family dinner. People they can share life with. Talk to. Will you be open to living that kind of life? Very different from the cultural trends. But how in your life can you engage more, connect more?
take a moment to pray, to listen to God's voice. And think about who you could invite to your dinner table.